Hey everyone, welcome to Observations. I am your host, Rob Liefeld. Thank you for joining me. We are going to talk comic books and pop culture because they're the same thing nowadays, right? They're the same thing. I am uh, one year into this. Thank you for listening. I, I It's a milestone because I cannot believe that there have been uh, almost 99, 99 episodes of this thing. And, 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 and I'm having a blast. I hope you're having a blast. Thank you for listening. Thank you for spreading the word. Uh, comic books, pop culture, how many headlines a day do we read about somebody being cast in a comic book movie, a comic book movie being an option, a new comic book uh, being turned into a cartoon, a game, expanding popular comic books. Again, I've covered two giant franchises multiple times, three giant franchises multiple times on this show. Spider-Man, Batman, X-Men get so much of the run because they're always being expanded, being turned from one comic into two, into three, into five, into 10, into 15, because um, when is enough of a good thing ever enough? It's it's never enough, right? I mean, in, in keeping with this idea, I cannot believe that, that I can report to you that I saw the coolest um, expansion of the Sp- Spider-Man franchise. I'm grabbing my, my program right now. This past weekend, regarding Spider-Man, regarding Spider-Man, my family, we went and were, were the beneficiary of friends of ours, thought we would love this. And we went to see a live comic book reading. We have a local theater here in Orange County in Fullerton. Uh, Fullerton's uh, the, the city I grew up in. You, you may have seen it in my... Levi's 501 ad at the beginning. It says Fullerton, California. So Fullerton is never too too far. My wife, myself, we grew up there. It's a great town. It's another town that's had this great resurgence. And as we are in this reawakening, not reawakening, reopening of America, maybe also a reawakening too, um, the, the, the Maverick Theater in downtown Fullerton was doing a live comic book reading of three issues of The Amazing Spider-Man. And... It says, with projections, music, live sound effects. It was April 30th to May 30th. We um, caught the uh, Friday night of the last weekend. And uh, they reenacted uh, just in the most spectacular fashion with um, great sound effects, two, uh, two dedicated sound, sound effect performers, and then um, five voice performers doing all of the different voices of Amazing Spider-Man number uh, number 60, 61, and 62. And this is the Kingpin saga, the Kingpin of Crime, and, and briefly Spider-Man for one entire issue is Spider-Man No More. And uh, they went, they, they just crushed it. They crushed it on this. Um, one female did Aunt May's voice, uh, Betty Brant, Mary Jane Watson, uh, uh, you know, Gwen Stacy. It, it was just fantastic. And each voice, uh, the female performer, um, I'm going to give her a, a shout out here. Let me see. Uh, Kalinda Gray did all of the female voices. Kalinda Gray, you are magnificent. Um, everybody, the producer, uh, uh, the, the man doing Peter Parker, uh, the, the, the just just unbelievable uh, Brian Newell, who I believe uh, this is his theater. 
produced this amazing, it was packed house, sold out performance. Uh, yes, social distancing. If your group was in four, you sat in four. There was a group of 10, they sat in 10 in the back. Um, but it was so fun. It was about 90 minutes. On screen, you had these different panels of John Romita Sr. Because again, he drew this six issue story. And, uh, and, and it would, it was, it was a great manipulation of the panels. Sometimes the panels would get, you know, big, sometimes they'd tilt, they'd, you know, kind of, uh, uh bounce around the screen and again, uh, against amazing narration. They had a guy who was a dead on Stan Lee imitator also provided J Jonah Jameson's voices. You had, you know, a guy dedicated Kingpin, um, j just everybody was just jamming, doing all these great voices, but the play is just a jump off point to what I want to get to because, because the guys who put this on, um, the producer and, and the performers and, and, and before we start to, to, to really underscore this, the gentleman who was, uh, providing some of the, uh, different voices, he was many of the different gangsters and, and he was also the kingpin. He started by saying the Spider-Man that you know and love was brought to you and created by the, the, the Spider-Man you know and love was created by John Romita Sr. The, that's the, the Spider-Man that you see everywhere, he says. He and Stan Lee did 59 issues. This is the announcer informing us before the start of the play. The, 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 uh, he and Stan Lee did 59 issues, the longest team to produce the long, longest team to produce Spider-Man, you know, writer, artist, maybe consecutive issues, but he wanted to tout these achievements. Um, and, and, and in the, at the intermission, one of the guys in the show came over and asked my friend, who's also a theatrical performer, how he was enjoying the show. We all had our masks on. Okay. So all of our masks are obscured. Uh, I know one of the guys in the, in, in the, um, play has a comic store in Fullerton. There's many comic stores in Fullerton. One of them, and I believe it was the gentleman who told us that it was they had done 59 issues together and that the, the Spider-Man that we know and love, that those images were created. Although I think he just said created by John Romita Sr. And John Romita Sr.'s art is featured in the play. It is the three issues with the Kingpin uh, that, that, they're, that they're featuring and, and they're performing for us. And, and his art is all over the, uh, his art is all over the, uh, the, 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 you know, program book, the program book. And it's on the t-shirts. It's on the t-shirts and it's, uh, you know, it's, it's all you saw that night. So, so I get it. They, they are selling you, um, and, and emphasizing, you know, what they are performing and what they are performing as a story drawn by John Romita Sr. But, but in the intermission, one of the guys comes over again, we're all in masks and he says, Oh, isn't this great? I made these t-shirts with the Ramita Sr. There's a Ramita Sr. art book, you know, because Ramita Sr. is the greatest Spider-Man artist of all time, this guy says. And uh, I'm chuckling. And not because I disagree with him, because I do. I do disagree with him. Um, and that's not a slight to John Ramita Sr. Please hang on. Please listen to this. John Ramita Sr. is going to get accolades galore, okay? But we're talking about the best and the finest, and that starts arguments. That always starts arguments. That's a challenge for most people. Well, I'm not about to say anything. I, I'm going unnoticed. I'm just going to, This it's his show. He's putting it on. This is his production. I'm just going to nod. But he proceeds to tell my friends how great John Ramita 
seniors spider-man it's the best ever it's the spider-man that everyone knows and loved they're so they're, 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 he was so excited to produce these t-shirts to promote the show because it's just great that they're billboards for the show he did a limited amount of them he wasn't going to do them but he figured if people could be wearing them around town they would drive traffic to the maverick theater and this performance which is great all great salesmanship but you know it, it, it's part of the hustle it's great but the john ramita senior as greatest spider-man artist ever that's what i'm here for the guy who who introduced it not the same guy the guy who was doing the voice for the Kingpin, who I believe is a comic book store owner. In, 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 I, I was told he was a comic book store owner. He looked like the comic book store owner. Again, he's in Mass too. Um, is like, this is the Spider-Man that we all know and love. Okay, so here is where we begin. Here's where we begin the debate. Okay, there is, and I have learned, especially in the last 20 years, there is a hardcore, devoted, rabid, John Romita Sr. is the best not just Spider-Man artists, best artist to ever draw comics. And I am here to listen to that. I have actually had who I believe is the premier John Romita senior uh, expert. His name's Mike Berkey. If you are in the original art scene, you will have known and heard of him as, wait for it, I, I wish I had a drum roll, but here it comes, Romita Man. Romita Man. His website is Romita Man. His Banner at the conventions is Ramita Man. His business is called Ramita Man. Do you know why? Because he has the most. I know you're 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 guessing why is he Ramita Man? It's it's fairly obvious. He has the most Ramita art on record, and the best Ramita art, which which is 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 a claim that I have seen substantiated, although I have not seen all of it. And several years ago, several let, let's go back six seven years ago. I am looking through his art um, bins. He has different. Um, he sets up these plastic tubs and puts the 11 by 17 envelopes, you know, straight up and you can flip through them. Obviously, people are going to come with respect. Multiple people are watching the table at all time. He's not a one-man show, but he is sitting there. He's very jovial, very fun, very nice guy. He is sitting there and he is uh, engaging with me. Uh, he had some pages of mine. He was showing me that he was selling. And then he asked me about the art that I love. And then, of course, it led to, do you like John Romita Sr.? I said, he's okay. I think he's pretty great. Um, but he's not my favorite Spider-Man artist. Not by a long shot. And, of course, then Mike Berkey, Mr. Romita Man, says, well, who is? And, guys, it's Steve Ditko. It'll always be Steve Ditko. It will never not be Steve Ditko to me. Steve Ditko created Spider-Man. And Steve Ditko does the most amazing Spider-Man I have ever seen. And 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 I have them in my hands, these pocketbooks that were produced again when I was a kid. Now Spider-Man was being was on TV. And and uh you know they were making um they were making Spider-Man movies and and episodes on CBS, okay? On like Tuesdays, Wednesday nights. And uh oh man the the the, the little boy from uh, from from Sound of Music had grown up, and he was um, he also plays the director in uh, in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and he, he uh, <laughs> of course of course I'm gonna blank on this right now. Um, the, the 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 this actor uh, was portraying was the one portraying Spider Man on TV at the time. So alongside the Hulk show 
and a Doctor Strange movie, um, Stanley had come out and set up some, you know, these live action. There was, there was also a Captain America live action movie where he has a motorcycle helmet and drives the most badass motorcycle. Go Google that. You'll, you'll get a kick. It's fun. Um, Nicholas Hammond. Yes. Nicholas Hammond is our um, Spider-Man TV actor. He was handsome, boyish, and he uh, portrayed Spider-Man on TV. The reason I'm telling you about this in these TV movies and in this TV series, and they got pretty decent ratings, that the great Peter Parker, again, as a kid, were like, is that how Spider-Man would move? He's clearly on a line and he's doing these motions as the, the line is pulling him up the, the, the building. It was low on action, okay? Um, they were doing the best they can. I, I always give people the benefit of the doubt. It was the 70s. It was low budget, but it was prime time on a major network. At the point of purchase, you guys are still going through the checkout lines when you go to a Bristol Farms or a Whole Foods or a Ralph's or a Stater Brothers or a Kroger's or a whatever there is in whatever town you're at, whatever food land, food market that you're going to. At the point of purchase is still, you know, probably People Magazine. Now they have DVDs, whatever candy they want, lip balm. So there used to be these pocketbooks that are, again, about the size of my extended hand. And Marvel did an entire uh, group of them. I have the best of the Marvel comic books, pocket books. Uh, it, it comes with a with a slipcase that was that, that was uh, released to bookstores back then. And they did the Hulk, Fantastic Four, and they did two. Spider-Man got two. Both of these Spider-Mans, both of these Spider-Mans, which, okay, how many? They, they are 160 pages each are Steve Ditko Spider-Mans, all of them. These are Steve Ditko's. And you are getting marked for destruction by Dr. Doom, trapped by the terrible tinkerer, sandbagged by the Sandman, entwined by Doc Ock, stung by the lizard, face to face with the chameleon, and dueling to the death with the vulture. Can Spider-Man defeat the strangest arch enemies of all time? You guys, I was electrified by this as a kid. You're gonna hear these pages turning, okay? This is just nothing short of epic, fantastic. Um, again, it's got Amazing Fantasy 15. It's got this original story. And then we're, boom, we're off to the races. He's meeting the Fantastic Four. He's, you know, battling uh, the Tinkerer, the Vulture. I mean, Steve Ditko's depiction of Spider-Man was creepy. He moved differently. He moved differently than other superheroes. He was hunched over. Okay, he was more gangly. He uh, he just he, he he posed in ways that you would think a guy named Spider-Man would pose. He was not overtly muscular, although he looked strong. But uh, the way that Steve Ditko did the webbing, the webbing along the costume, which everyone depicts, he did it very tighter. The the the, the gaps, the margins between webs was smaller, so it looks like there's more of them. So it's a tighter. Um, some somebody like a John Romita Senior pushes them out a little, and maybe maybe there's an inch between each web instead of a half an inch because the way and 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 the actual webbings have more curves to them. They're they're a higher curve, so higher curve, higher curve, higher curve as they go across the the slightly slimmer margins in regards to how the webs are depicted. But Steve Ditko drew a creepy, gangly. Oh, there's some some shots here of Spider Man emerging from shadows against walls where all you see is the red applications on his costume, the red web webbed applications. I mean, oh, Sandman. Here's the other thing. Ditko 
is the originator, the creator of all these villains, Sandman, Vulture, Green Goblin, Doc Ock. This is, when it says the beginning here, the strangest arch enemies. To me, and, and it really comes down to Batman and Spider-Man in every conversation I've ever been in. I think you can get the Fantastic Four in there as well. The greatest rogues gallery, to me, belongs to Spider-Man. I mean, Electro, Doc Ock, the Lizard, the Chameleon, the Sandman, the Vulture, okay? In, in Volume 2... In Volume 2, another 160-page volume, we get Electro, Mysterio, The Enforcers, Craven. I mean, you guys. And and uh, I just loved, I love the way that Ditko portrays Spider-Man. His Spider-Man is my favorite when he is slinking down a, 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 a wall, when he is lowering himself on a web line to taunt J. Jonah Jameson outside of a window, when he is swinging in battle with the Vulture. I am looking at it again right here. These, um, the, the way that the, the figures are portrayed is is just, it's gangly, it's specific. Now, one of these actually has a, a Ramita Senior cover, and it is the more muscular, heroic, less blacks on the costume. Steve Ditko utilized much more black shading and black spotting of blacks on the costume than Ramita did. Ramita is really went more all in on the blue and the red, and you have to believe, I'm sure, that that was part of Stan's um, at Stan's direction. But the uh, not only is it the uh, between these two pocketbooks, I like get Amazing 15, Fantasy 15 all the way through Spider-Man um, 14, and and then there's some annuals. And you guys, again, you're going to hear me flipping through these as I talk to you because I just cannot, I just cannot stop. Um, looking, I just love, he, he just, uh, again, his Spider-Man had its own, um, body acting. I mean, Spider-Man is acting with every ounce and he, he draws him differently than when, when Peter Parker is, is walking around. And when Peter Parker is, um, you know, is, 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 is down the hallway with his books and he, and, 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 and he's standing a little straighter again, the hunch the 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 um the gait of of the character and the poses and the way that he is either hanging upside down or or, or hanging just just literally sitting in the air as he's dropping in front of J Jonah Jameson's office and again the tight the tight webbing is what really stands out to me and oh what am I saying the eyes the one thing I noticed about the John Romita Senior in these uh, Spider-Man 60 61 62 that 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 they performed with the Kingpin story. He draws very small eyes on Spider-Man. He draws much smaller eyes. Ditko's eyes were much, were, were slightly bigger. Not much bigger, but enough that I noticed. Enough that, that, that to me, they were noticeable. Now, you guys know that Todd McFarlane, because he's in this conversation, okay? Because there's an entire generation that doesn't want to hear Ditko or Ramita Sr. It's all about Todd McFarlane, and rightfully so. Todd, to me, rejuvenated Spider-Man, but, but I'm going to get ahead of myself. I want to I dial back the, the, the Steve Ditko depiction of Spider-Man is my favorite of all time. And obviously, Steve did um, roughly 30 issues worth of Spider-Man comics, and I have um, eaten them all up. I think they're all fantastic. I, 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 I think that... Uh, I, 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 I just think that his depiction... I know that, for me, his depiction... Is my is my favorite depiction for all the reasons that I've told you again and underscoring that he not only uh, 
created these villains. His depiction of Doc Ock is my favorite. His depiction of Green Goblin is my favorite because they're creepy. He goes in on the creepy. When Todd circles back around, well, the thing that I like about Todd is Todd is looking at Steve Ditko's Spider-Man. Todd is not looking at any depiction of John Romita Sr. whatsoever because Romita Sr.'s Spider-Man stands up straighter, look, uh, uh, has more of a classic hero gait when he's jumping and leaping. Um, it's just, it doesn't have the creep factor. Now, this is, I believe, why so many people like John Romita Sr.'s. And, and, and here's the best part. For years, John Romita Sr.'s uh, Spider-Man was leading the way in regards to being on license on 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 lunch pails and and school you know supplies folders um, calendars. But uh, when when uh, you know and, and it was on the it was on the Marvel stationery. That's what I want to underscore on the Marvel stationery. The envelopes you would get a John Romita Sr. Spider-Man. Okay, but. For a decade, they switched it, and it was no longer, for about 10 years, that was gone. John Romita Sr.'s was gone. It was it was off the envelopes, it was off the stationery, and it was replaced by Eric Larson, who we're going to touch on, who is a top favorite of mine as well. And and, and when, I, when, when you hear my rankings, I'm going, to, I'm going to explain to you exactly why, okay? But again, John Romita Sr. is a very pretty artist, and nothing... Uh, underscores someone's strengths or re-emphasizes them more than when they're on a, a giant size movie screen during a production. And you get to look at the lush lines. John um, had a very pretty line. And one of the things I've always heard about everybody that loves John Romita, John Romita Sr. and especially Romita Man was how pretty everyone is. How handsome Peter Parker was. How pretty Gwen Stacy was. How pretty Mary Jane was. And there is no doubt he drew beautiful, and John Romita Sr. is still with us. He is um, alive. He is kicking ass. I see him do signings. I see him still do sketches, ink stuff. The guy is still active. Accolades to him. He obviously gave us an offspring and continued his uh, his his legacy with his son, John Romita Jr. Uh, I like John Romita Jr.'s Spider-Man more than I like his dad's, okay? And I like his dad's. Here's the thing. I think John Romita Sr.'s Spider-Man is great. It's great that you will not hear me say one negative thing, although I will not put it at the top like the guys who, who were putting on this. You know, they could have done any three issues. They chose these three Kingpin issues, which I walked out going, which three issues would I have chosen? I would have chosen uh, the Morbius lizard when Peter Parker gets three, six limbs, like an arachnid, I, I, drawn by Gil Kane, another top. Gil Kane is in my top five. So here's where I tell you, as much as I love John Romita Sr. and he draws beautifully, he draws a beautiful Captain America. He draws a beautiful Submariner, Prince Namor. He did a bunch of covers for Prince Namor Submariner in the early 70s. He did Fantastic Four. He did issues of the Fantastic Four that are beautiful. John Romita Sr. is a beautiful, um, beautiful artist. He is not in my top five Spider-Man artists, which some of you are like, yeah, mine neither because I've never heard of him or I, I didn't buy those comics. I don't even have them in reprints. Of course you don't because so many of you came of age in the 90s. If you know who I am and you know Todd and Jim and Eric, well, then those are your, then you're likely from the cloth 
that states that one of your favorites is Todd McFarlane, Eric Larson, or Mark Bagley. That's your generation. See, for me, I'm getting these Steve, Dit Steve Ditko's, uh, these pocketbooks at point of purchase. Point of purchase. Good on Marvel for getting these out. The They're good on Marvel for putting these at a place where they were irresistible, where I could say to my mom, Mom, for a buck fifty, could you buy me this? Uh, for a buck fifty, and I'd always get the the rolled eye, like really, Robbie, because now I've changed my mom's voice a little bit. Really, Robbie, but but she get she said this makes my son so ridiculously happy. 1977, 1978 is when these came out. Okay, and they would consume me, and as pocketbooks, I could take them all over the place in the car, and it was a more durable. You you worried less about the condition. Oh my gosh, on the back of one of these is all of the different heads. Spider-Man, Peter Parker, Aunt May, Doc Doom, um, Lizard, Vulture, Sandman, J. Jonah Jameson, Betty Brant. I, I mean, again, for me, Steve Ditko, it's not nostalgia because I didn't grow up in the 60s. I missed all these. But I knew, and and, and I'm buying the current Spider-Mans as they are coming out that day. And, I believe, and, and the artist who was drawing Spider-Man when I was collecting is Ross Andrew. Ross Andrew did a extended run on Spider-Man when I was growing up, and they were okay. I've told you before, I wasn't a big Spider-Man fan, okay? I'm not a big Spider-Man fan, and uh, and and yet I was buying it because it's a comic book. Um, it, it, it's a comic book, and I would buy as many comic books, uh, you know, that I could possibly, I, I could... <laughs> I could possibly get my hands on. Okay. So, so Ross Andrew was doing Spider-Man when I was coming out and there were some fun stories. And I remember there was a new hero that Marvel had introduced named Nova. And there was a two issue crossover with Nova. And I remember that distinctly. And I loved, you know, the Ross Andrew cover on the Ross Andrew issue of Amazing Spider-Man. But when I was exposed to this, these pocketbooks, I was like, this is a better Spider-Man than the Spider-Man that I'm getting from Ross Andrew. Ross Andrew draws the Superman Spider-Man team up that Marvel and DC does that we've covered on the, on a podcast at length. It is one of the greatest comic books of all time and Neil Adams and John Romita Sr. go in and alter the depictions of both Spider-Man and Peter Parker and Superman throughout that book. Neil Adams redrew a ton of the Ross Andrew Supermans and John Romita Sr. touched up Peter Parker faces. They are obvious to the naked eye and Spider-Man's. They are obvious to the naked eye because how important this project was. But Ross Andrew, again, he was an in-demand guy. And so he did this depiction of Spider-Man when I was a kid. He was the monthly Spider-Man artist. So you can't say, but life on this nostalgia. No. So I get these um, pocketbooks to read the early adventures. And I'm finding that this depiction of Spider-Man is more creepy because Ross Andrew's Spider-Man was more in line with John Romita Seniors, kind of this more for, uh, I don't want to say plain, uh, straightforward depiction, straightforward depiction of Spider-Man, more on the superhero, less on the creepy spider Ditko Spider-Man is creepy. He is creepy, creepy, creepy. I am doubling down. And as the issues go further, he just gets, he can spring into action. And here's also what I need to pivot and say about Steve Ditko. And I really discovered this when Doctor Strange, when the Doctor Strange movie was coming out with Benedict Cumberbatch, I bought all of the Doctor Strange, really the new handsome collections that were coming out because I wanted them in these new hardcovers and these new slipcase editions. And one book that was coming out was like the best of Steve Ditko. So you got the Spider-Mans and you got the Doctor Strange. And upon studying those books and pouring over all those pages and looking at the storytelling and studying the drawing, I realized... Steve Ditko was the MVP of Marvel when Marvel launched. Kirby 
is powerful and he is important at that time. Kirby goes on to become the most important person in the history of comic books, period, elevating above Marvel and DC. But he goes on to get that crown a few years later and becomes the MVP and doesn't look back. But in the early days, Steve Ditko is the more polished, the more accomplished draftsman, artist, figure work, inker. Um, Jack is finding himself. Jack truly finds his best self in the late 60s, early 70s. And by the time he's doing Commandy in 74, 75, I'm sorry, in, in 73, um, 74, that is by far his best work. Then the fourth world New God stuff is peak Jack Kirby, peak Everything's working for him. Everything looks spectacular. He's not being inked by Joe Sinnott as he was on Fantastic Four. He's got a different um, group of inkers, the best being uh, Mike Royer. Uh, but the work is the best. For me, the best Jack Kirby is 1969 to 1977. And that is a long stretch of greatness considering the guy had already been at it 20 plus more years earlier. I mean, this guy created Captain America in World War II with Joe Simon. So you know he's been at it since the 40s. But by the 70s, his best self is just is just out there for all of us to devour. But when Marvel starts, when Marvel kicks off, Ditko is by far the more polished, accomplished, realized artist. It is. It, it, go ahead and study the confidence with which he is um he is putting the, the, these lines down the clarity of his of his storytelling the um the strength of the line the faces the expression he, again jack jack's early work is a little more raw a little more defined his early marvel work which is still early work but it's a little raw, more raw it's a little more defined it's not quite where it's going to be by like say fantastic 4 100 ditko when he is launching doctor strange and and, and spider-man is such an accomplished artist his style is fully realized and again, from figures to faces to backgrounds to inks to gestures to storytellers, he's the complete package. And again, he's got their flagship. Spider-Man is the book. It is the most popular. And he is depicting it. And his depiction is my favorite. So who's my number two? If John Romita Sr. isn't mine, but so many um, guys, they, they bend the knee to his Spider-Man and they pledge fealty. And good for them. They adore it. I have the amazing spider-man idw artist edition right here it's so big if i were to drop it it would sound like an earthquake through this mic um john ramita's amazing spider-man artist edition idw marvel they did a smaller um version of this it's beautiful you guys so you can't uh, like like in this i bought this this is like 150 bucks okay this is one expensive hardcover i've had it for um since it came out six seven years ago uh, again, they did a condensed version of it, a more affordable, more trade paperback size version. It prints everything straight from the artwork. And guess what? Guess what? Let me, I, I haven't looked at this, but I'm, I'm an adventurous guess that inside here, that the guy who gets thanked the most, very special thanks to Mike Berkey for generous, generously supplying most of the original art in this volume. Okay, please visit Mike's website, www.ramitaman.com. Very special thanks to Mike Berkey for generously supplying most of the original art in this volume. So there you go. Ramita Man gave us an entire artist edition from IEW. I mean, that's how much this guy, his website is Ramita Man. His business is Ramita Man. He and, and there are, I've met his peers. They're all his age, which isn't too far removed from my age, but they love Ramita Sr. the most. 
I am a Ditko guy. So right there, okay? So their number one is not, not my number one. But then let's go, what's your number two? My number two is not Todd McFarlane, even though I believe Todd McFarlane had the most profound modern-day influence on the way Spider-Man is being depicted again. But he went into the Steve Ditko well and doubled down on Creepy and said, I can contort the figure and give even weirder, um, um, uh, 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 you know, gestures and poses. He went back to the spaghetti webbing that is depicted several times in the, in the Ditko books, popularized by Michael Golden and Art Adams, and then completely, um, you know, uh, uh, given to you on a monthly basis uh, by, by Todd McFarlane. But Todd doubled down on the creepy, and the biggest thing is he opened Spider-Man's eyes. He gave him much bigger eyes than either Ditko or... Ramita, and for the most part, Ramita's eyes were smaller, maybe the smallest. Um, along that same time, John Byrne was doing Marvel Team-Up. When Ross Andrew was doing Amazing Spider-Man, John Byrne was doing Marvel Team-Up. And Sal Buscema was another um, artist for Marvel uh, who had a very straightforward style. He was doing issues of Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man, the spinoff book that they launched in 76. So you got a lot of Spider-Mans, but John Burns was a little more in the Ditko category. That's why I liked it. But it also had the kind of the hero category. It blended Ramita and Ditko in a way that I haven't seen anybody do it that well since. But Todd comes along and does this Spider-Man that at the time you were getting very generic Spider-Man comic books from Marvel in the late 80s. The artists depicting Spider-Man were all doing a very straight... They were all doing Ramita's Spider-Man. Ron Friends, Salbi Sema, Alex Saviak, very good, very all great artists. There is no one here who is going to tell you that what they were doing wasn't competent and wasn't wonderful, but there's a difference between competent and wonderful and exciting. And Todd McFarlane's Spider-Man was exciting. And he also gave more detail to the margins of the webs and the curl of the webs, the curvature of the webs on the costume and the big eye and the kind of, um, it was almost as if when Peter Parker put the mask on, his face became liquid because Todd contorted and moved that face in a way that was not consistent with like science, but it looks cool. And sometimes you die on the, it looks cool. I've done the same thing with Deadpool. Masked characters, fully masked characters, from Spider-Man to the Prowler to uh, to, to to Deadpool um, to so many that have followed Black Panther, uh, you kind of you d when people draw a full nose into the mask, it takes me out. I need that mask to be um, covering, smashing the nose down, creating more of a a a, a circular um, uh, oval that can be with with maybe different angles from the cheekbones and the chin, but I don't want that nose. Putting the mask on, I want that nose gone. When people draw Spider-Man with a nose or Deadpool with a nose, I am immediately, I exit, I'm like, I'm out, I can't deal with this, I don't want to see a nose, That that that's not why it's there. Even in the film portrayals of Spider-Man and Deadpool, whether it was Tobey Maguire or, or Tom Holland or Andrew Garfield, the mask obscures and there is no really you know, there is no remnant of a nose. Deadpool on Ryan Reynolds, there's no remnant of a nose. It's kind of a dent or a little indentation, and that's how I prefer it. But Todd, also with Todd's inking, with the extra amount of detail and the fine, um, the, the, the fine line art, it just, it really emphasized the creepy. And Todd would basically go, oh, this cool Ditko pose that you saw, um, you know, at that time, 30 plus years earlier, I'm going to give it to you in a dead, in a double pager 
I'm going to alter it a little bit. I'm going to do that same kind of idea and I'm going to make it bigger and bolder and bigger and bolder and making the page loud is what we did. That's what we did. What Myself, Todd, uh, Eric Larson, we made loud pages and later on I've discussed how guys like Mark Sylvester is like, I'm on to you guys. I see what you're doing. You're, you're increasing the volume of images. Yes, we are. We're making the pages louder. Our pages are louder. So Todd McFarlane's Spider-Man was louder and you loved it and it sold millions. And by every... Measure of the stick, Todd is the most popular modern Spider-Man artist, period, end of story. When Todd left the book, and, oops, got to go back, his depiction of all the Ditko villains were more Ditko-esque. He, he leaned in, they were Todd McFarlane, they looked like Todd McFarlane. Todd has his own distinct style, but what he borrowed, because Todd was doing the Hulk before Spider-Man, and that was bulky and a different, maybe a more Jack Kirby approach. As artists, we pride ourselves, you know, on, on on adhering what we do to maybe the tenets of something that came before so that we can reflect the best of maybe what that character is known for while at the same time, you know, surgically inserting ourselves. And, 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 and sometimes we do it successfully and sometimes we stub our toe and we're clumsy about it. But there was nothing about Todd's Spider-Man that didn't work. And his Electro, his Doc Ock, his Sandman, his every single, his Lizard, they had that creepy, ethereal, um, vibe that, that Steve Ditko was so just mastered in his creation of these characters. Again, I go to John Romita Sr.'s depiction and everything is more straightforward. They're more kind of a style guide. Um, again, depicted very heroically or very, very um, upright. Uh, th the last thing you would ever say about John Romita Sr.'s work is the creepy factor. So for me, I want creepy. I want creepy in my Spider-Man. Where... I thought Todd was going to be my favorite of all the modern day. Then Eric Larson followed Todd. And if you can get that Eric Larson Spider-Man omnibus or the trades, Eric is a better action choreographer than Todd. Todd does not excel in the action. I don't think he values it and you have to value it. Eric was kept 80% of the creepy depiction factor but ramped up the action choreography. And he also understood how making a page loud. And Eric um, is, pro is, is most definitely a superior figure um, artist and action choreographer. And that, and he, he, but he understood what came before. His, his diagram that he understood, trans taking, taking Todd's Spider-Man and then following it, he understood big shots, big splash pages. And then he said, I think I'll do what Todd didn't do a whole lot of, which was depict these great, action choreography scenes, which reminded me of Gil Kane, who is my number three favorite Spider-Man artist. For me, it goes Ditko, it goes Larson, it goes Gil Kane, it goes Todd McFarlane. He's top four, okay? And, and then goes John Byrne, and that's, that's, that's my five. But Eric Larson, if you thought that Eric was just imitating Todd, because that's what people were casting aspersions on him, it was, it, when you have a popular run, it is hard to follow it. But here's the twist, and here's where we pivot. So we've, we've mentioned Ramita Sr., we've mentioned Ditko, we've mentioned Todd, we've mentioned Eric Larson, I've mentioned John Byrne. Um, Bagley followed, uh, followed Eric. And again, Spider-Man is always in front of us. He's in front of the culture. I mean, in regards to Bagley, McFarlane, and Larson, that Venom franchise, Venom you know, uh, is it called Let There Be Carnage? The sequel that's going to come out in the fall? That's already, that bed got crowded. That that room got crowded. That carpet will be crowded because you've got Eric Larson and Mark Begley who are co-creators along with David Michelini 
per the understanding of Carnage. Um, uh, uh, Eric Larson did Clady. He introduced him in his first appearance. And then Mark Bagley gave you the visual interpretation of Carnage. Then you've got Venom, which is got Miscellany and it's got um, Todd and it's got Mike Zek and it's got Jim Shooter and it's got all these people who, who did the black costume. Maybe Ron Friends is in there, all contributing to the Venom. And then there is Larson and Bagley who are the um, visual fathers of Carnage along with Michelini who said, you know, I, I, what's better than one symbiote is multi. So, so these guys have a lot of Spider-Man history and a lot of, and, and, and two of the most popular Spider-Man adversaries now where when I was a kid, it was Green Goblin and Doc Ock. Now it's Venom and Carnage. And so, so between Eric and Bagley and McFarlane, you've got the, the visual authors of that. And then you've got Michelini who gave you Venom and Carnage and Clady, the, 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 uh, the, the alternative, the, the, uh, the, the, um, alter ego, the, the guy in, in, in prison, Woody Harrelson's character. So, so, but here's the twist, not the movies, not this stuff, the pricing. Ditko pages for the longest time commanded the highest amount of dollars on the auction market, in the art market, in the collectible world. A Ramita senior cover is worth its weight in gold. All of these things have six figures attached to them. Todd emerged with a sale of a $600,000 cover about eight years ago, six years ago. Um, the Hulk and Spider-Man, it's Todd's last issue. Some guy went crazy high on that. Since then, Todd's prices are in the um, 300000 range for his covers. And But interior pages, Eric Larson is taking no prisoners. And, and my own art dealer, who I visit and purchase from, I bought some Neil Adams Green Lantern art from him recently. He's like, oh man, I can't get enough of the Larson stuff. The Larson stuff is exploding. And now so is Bagley. So again, remember, you know, the, it's not you, it's Batman. It's also sometimes it's Spider-Man because Eric Larson, Nova pages aren't going to go for that much. And, you know, um, Mark Bagley, New Warriors pages aren't going to go as much for his Spider-Man. They want Spider-Man. They want that franchise. And, and what's happening is Ramita, who was vying with Ditko for the highest prices, they're both now being, being, being pivoted to the side as Larson and McFarlane are slugging it out for most expensive Spider-Man pages. I haven't seen a, 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 a Spider-Man cover by Eric yet, especially one that he penciled and inked go up. But I imagine we're, we're looking at two... 250, 300,000. You guys, an interior New Mutants page of mine sold for $200,000 a couple weeks ago. The the guy who runs Heritage Auctions is, is I did not know this, my wife brought this to me, in, in an article said, look, the guy who runs Heritage is, is quoted as saying he has turned down an interior New Mutants page for you that has Cable and Deadpool, two characters that I created, that, that I started their lives, he has turned down $175,000 for an interior page. You guys, the, the prices on this stuff is going nuts. But in the Spider-Man world, I know of what I speak. Again, in, in terms of original art and collectibles, I buy a lot. I have a lot. I watch it. I watch the prices. Thank God I'm not in the Spider-Man world. I, I don't chase Spider-Man art whatsoever. But it's coming down to Eric is making huge gains on Todd McFarlane. And, and, and I have friends who I have an art dealer who I sent four of the McFarlane pages. It was from the, uh, I think the assassination uh, bi-weekly. And he opted not to buy those and bought Eric Larson pages instead. So I am telling you, Eric Larson's 
um, following of Todd McFarlane is 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 really ramping up and gaining in in uh, in value in respect. But again, Todd is seen as the de facto uh, that that amazing Spider-Man 300. I think is one of the most, if not the most expensive book, um, and that has Todd's you know DNA all over it. That is the hottest um, CGI Amazing Spider-Man nine eights are are ballooning. I I saw a closing price. A comic book. We're not talking original art. I've pivoted to CGI graded comic book slabs. $8,500. $8,500 for you to buy that. My X-Men number one. X-Men number one. The, the, the very first issue of X-Men ever. Signed by Stan Lee. The original Stan Lee Jack Kirby. Is 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 cresting towards $40,000. Okay. Spider-Man 300 is at $8,500 now. I mean, my, my X-Men number one is just... That X-Men number one, by the way, I bought for $2,000. I bought X-Men number one by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby about seven, eight years ago for $2,000. It's graded at a at a 5.0. It's signed by Stan. It, it, there were unsigned Stan Lee copies selling for $32,000. I have turned down an offer recently... The, the, these prices are going insane, but but consider that Amazing Spider-Man 300 is going for $8,500 right now. That is going to only increase. It's only going to gain. Um, it, it's like I've told you guys back in the day when Todd and I were walking the floor of San Diego Comic-Con in like 1989. Todd stopped by a dealer and he said, <clears throat> I bought oh, Amazing Fantasy. And the guy goes, yeah? He goes, oh, could I see that uh, amazing fantasy? And he had an amazing fantasy. Fifteen. He, he hands it down. There's no slabs in that. It's not. It's not graded. It's just in a mylar bag. And I'm standing there, and I'm like, "You're gonna buy that?" And Todd's like, "Oh, pretty good condition. Oh, pretty good. Pretty good." And 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 what, what's the ask? What's the ask on this? Guy says six six thousand dollars. Oh, six thousand dollars. What? He, he, he kind of whispers to me, it's worth it. It's worth it. This is never going to not appreciate. This is never going to not appreciate. The first appearance of Spider-Man is never not going to appreciate. The value is only going to increase. I said, you buying it? And he's like, not now. Hands it back to the guy. Thanks, bud. Thanks. Okay. And we were on our way. But he knew exactly what he was talking about. Do I believe that Todd eventually acquired a couple of them? I do, maybe more. Um, he was a guy assigning a value. It was another really smart thing that he laid out for me, and it made me think. So when I got a chance to buy an X-Men number one uh, for, for $2,000, I took it. I am now turning down offers on that thing for $35,000, okay? It's nuts. It's gone crazy. Spider-Man. Is your guy Ramita Sr.? Is your guy Todd? Is your guy Eric Larson? I know a guy in my Facebook group. Ross Andrews is his guy. Ross Andrew is his guy. Who am I to tell him it's not? My other buddy, John Byrne. Best Spider-Man he ever saw. Again, Byrne leans into the Ditko, peppers it with a little Ramita Sr. Todd went full Ditko and then went super loud, made his own um, epic poses. When I say went full Ditko, it's, it's a vibe. It's a vibe. He didn't ever, you know, depict 
a Ditko Spider-Man. He took vibes, poses, the eerie, the creepy, and he, and he, and he magnified it. He blew it up. And then he went loud. Because like I said, that's what the image guys did. We went loud. We were loud on the page. We tried to be as loud as possible in a sea of very quiet grids, six-panel grids, four-panel grids, you know, eight-panel grids, not for us. We were loud. We had figures bursting out. And, and I'm telling you, Eric, go back, look at his entire run on Spider-Man. He followed Todd on Amazing. He then followed Todd on the objectiveless, the objectiveless Spider-Man. His webs advantageous. We need a live reading. If I was Marvel, I'd be like, hey, Todd, I understand you're not going to draw a comic book ever again. You're not going to draw Spider-Man. But um, would you do a, a reading? His web line advantageous. We would hang on that every word. I hope that that goes down. Um, so Todd, to most of you, is your favorite Spider-Man artist. Maybe some of you I have actually met a lot of. Mark Bagley is their favorite. They favor Bagley above Todd and above Eric. Definitely above Ramita. Definitely above Ditko. Again, Ramita and Ditko are now kind of the dinosaurs of the Spider-Man age. But this all started with me seeing this play and these guys asserting very powerfully, this is my favorite spider This is the man who defines Spider-Man. This is the Spider-Man you know and love. I wanted to call, no, no it's not. Eric Larson's Spider-Man has been on the Marvel masthead, the stationery, the envelopes. Eric supplanted Ramita Sr., okay? And, and so, so I always like when people make proclamations because I told my wife on the way home, that's an agenda. They want you. They love John Romita Sr. as you do your favorite artist and they want you to go home thinking what they think. They wanted to agendaize us. It wasn't that he was one of the greatest ever. It was he is the guy that created the Spider-Man you love, which I call bullshit. That guy's name is Steve Ditko. It will forever in my mind be Steve Ditko. I put... Again, Eric Larson, number two. I go Gil Kane, number three. I go Todd McFarlane, number four. I go John Byrne, number five. Those are my top five spider, favorite Spider-Man artists of all time, okay? That's what I dig. Now, the only other character I've seen that can get this kind of juice going, that can get you to kind of um, have this kind of uh, uh, debate is Wolverine. And, and for me, John Byrne and so many others drew the best Wolverine of all space and time. And he has said he poured more of himself as a Canadian. He wanted the Canadian superhero to be depicted better and, and, and more, more detailed. He gave so much love to every Wolverine. And forever, to this day, no one has supplanted John Byrne. You, you take um, X-Men issue, issue issues 128, 133, 141, you name it, he drew one of the best Wolverines, most feral Wolverines uh, that I have ever seen. Oh my gosh, what am I talking about? One, 139, one, 140, the Wendigo Saga. I have pages from that book. I mean, th these are an amazing depictions. But later on down, Paul Smith showed up and 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 he did a Wolverine that turned all our heads. And 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 it it climbed up and maybe kind of was was challenging John Byrne there for a bit. It still definitely does. That depiction still definitely does challenge John Byrne's version. Art Adams came in and he did my number two favorite art, um, um, Wolverine of all time. When you see me draw Wolverine, when you see Jim Lee draw Wolverine, when you see Todd McFarlane draw Wolverine, when you see Eric Larson draw Wolverine, he, that we are all drawing Art Adams Wolverine. Go back to that Heroes for Hope episode that, where, where they did the, um, I did an entire episode on how Marvel and DC did books for, for, for the famine in Africa. The cover, the infamous cover has, has Wolverine crouching, walking towards us. That is 
that's very similar to the Paul Smith, I believe, 173, 174 X-Men cover where he's crouched really low coming at you with Rogue in the background, all black cover. Wolverine, that's kind of his take on Paul Smith's, except it's art atomized, it has more rendering, it's sharper, it's it's got a little more, more twisty details. That became the Wolverine of almost two generations. We are all biting on that apple when we are generating our Wolverines still, to this day, always. Um, um, John Byrne, Art Adams, they're my top two for Wolverine. Everybody else, let's fight, okay? It's not being supplanted. That's my guy. But this all, again, like I said, started with a a funny um, assertion from a stage during a play that... Um, that 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 asserted that John Romita Sr. is responsible for the Spider-Man that you love. And he is certainly accomplished and a beautiful artist and his renderings are outstanding and he did draw beautiful women and beautiful men. But for Spider-Man, I go Ditko all the way, every day, for all time. Um, and again, the, 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 spider, the, the Spider-Man that Todd and Eric generated were, um, were, were reflecting the best of Ditko. I see no Ramita Sr. in all these others that I love. And Gil Kane, who's actually inked by Ramita Sr., who is actually um, in, in that Morbius vampire, um, maybe it's 150, um, the, 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 uh, or 100, the, the, it's Morbius Lizard, Spider-Man gets his six arms. Uh, Ramita, I think either he, he may have inked those covers or ink some of the interiors or maybe just he inked some Gil Kane's along the way they combined and, and when they combined it was really magnificent. Um, don't quote me on that 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 arachnid story. I'm feeling less positive about that Ramita Sr. inked that. It may have been Frank Giochia or someone else, but the bottom line is Gil Kane had a more elongated, he had more of the creepy factor as well. But so I definitely lean in hard on the creepy, um, the 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 uh, more tight webbing, the gestures when it comes to Spider-Man, that's my ticket. That's my that's my tonic. From the stage, they were asserting their agenda. I have no agenda. I'm telling you my favorite. I know by you listening to this that you're going to have your own favorite. Someone right there is like, no way, man. Mark Silvestri's Wolverine blows Byrne and Smith away. Good, good on you. That's your thing, okay? That's not my thing. Um, and, and, and again, I chase X-Men and Wolverine pages. As I said, I don't chase Spider-Man pages. But what's happening in the Spider-Man space, as I've said, is really interesting. The pricing is changing. The pricing is changing. Is it conceivable that Todd's go down as the most expensive of all Spider-Man pages? Um, I think we're probably there. We're getting there right now. Now, again, early Spider-Man covers on issues one, two, three, four, if they're around, they're going to command millions, okay? Because of the age, that, because they were the first, they're from the 60s, they're early on in the run. So so at that point, there's a lot of history that goes into that too. But for but for modern pricing, what's what I see going on in the auction world, and it, all it has to do is change with one bid, one auction, one Ditko page, one interior page goes for $600,000, and then we've turned this all around again, and it's that he is the most, or a Ramita senior cover goes for a million dollars and then you know now Ramita senior wears the crown the crowns are always shifting there's only one throne not not everybody can sit on it at one time but many butts in that throne over time over history always exchanging because we always favor something else someone else but nobody has the same favorites that's the beauty of comics that's what I love about comic books. That's what I appreciate the most about comic books is all of the different interpretations and 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 the way that we all can stand up and 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 uh, and proclaim that we have a different um, 
a, a, a different favorite. And um, I just, it, it's the part of comic books that, 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 that the rock and roll that gets me the most. I, I, I dig it so much. I love sharing it with you guys as we do on this podcast multiple times routinely. And uh, I, again, just that play, I, I generate an entire podcast because it's, it's the stuff that we talk about. Hey, I like this guy's Wolverine, but it's it's the fights in the comic store. Who's Spider-Man is best? Who's Cap is best? Who's Wolverine is best? It is so um, so fun, so great. It's it's what it's 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 the pulse of the business. Now here's the deal. This is the time in the podcast where I read the reviews, and you guys have been so generous with re- re- your reviews. I am reading this review. I appreciate so much the enthusiasm, the positivity, the word of mouth that you've given, raw observations given this show, given to me. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. I am humbled by it. I am thrilled that that we are expanding our audience, and we are expanding our audience. This is from Average Nerd average nerd. What's up? He says, Rob started listening to your podcast with episode one at work to help me stay awake. Well, Hey, I'm glad there's a function here. I find it extremely informative. Thank you so much for doing this as a person who didn't get into reading comics until the two thousands, the two thousands learning about comic book history is so enjoyable. You guys, that's why I did this podcast. I wanted to share my journey with you, which starts in in the mid-70s, 73, 74, and carry you through as pop culture continues to shape and conform. As I've said, the Eternal, Shang-Chi, Black Widow, Taskmaster, all these characters that are coming out, all the Marvel movies in the next few years are from the 70s. Shang-Chi, 72, 73, Eternal, 76. Black Widow came into her own in the 70s. Taskmaster is in 1980. I mean... you have a decade that is getting mad representation on on film, but it's all being mined from my youth directly from when I was walking into spinner racks because Feige and I are roughly the same age. Those comics hit us at the same time. He is taking those stories and putting those on screen. They are, they, they are literally, they have a lineage that goes all the way back to 72, 74, 1972, 1974, 1976. I know that sounds like the 1920s when I was a kid to kids of your age, but when this... Um, a kind gentleman who, again, I will thank. Thank you, Average Nerd, for listening to my podcast. I'm glad it keeps you awake. I'm glad that you find it extremely informative. And I love that you started in the 2000s and there is so much to catch up and I love catching up on it with you. You guys, I am all over social media. I am on Twitter at Robert Liefeld with the blue check, full name, at Robert Liefeld. I am on Instagram at Rob Liefeld on Instagram. Okay, um, find me there. I got the blue checks. I'm the real guy. I'm not going to shake you down with an instant message for money. If that says Rob Liefeld, he's not going to have a blue check. That's not him. Do not give him your money. Do not fall for that scam. You guys, I am all over Facebook. I am all over social media. I love hanging out. I love talking to you guys. I love the feedback. Thank you for listening to this show. You guys know the drill. You are going to take care of yourselves and you are going to stay safe and we are going to talk again real soon. 